Welcome to Leadership Lessons for Sport Managers, a podcast that discusses how popular leadership books connect to leadership theories and how sport managers can use the lessons in these books in their personal and professional lives. I'm Alice, an athletic training graduate assistant here at ISU. I'm Ari, the equipment GA here at ISU. In this episode, we're going to talk about what leadership is and what good leadership is. We'll then tie in what Brown and Sinek has to say about leadership and how we as sport professionals can use these tips in our field. The discussion today revolves around two leadership books, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown and Leaders Eat Last Why Some Teams Pull Together and Others Don't by Simon Sinek. First, let's talk about what both of our authors define leadership as. Brene Brown defines leadership as anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential through being self-aware enough to lead from their hearts rather from an uninvolved leader who leads from hurt and fear. And Simon Sinek says, leadership is not a license to do less, it's a responsibility to do more. The effects are not always easily measured and they are not always immediate. Leadership is always a commitment to human beings. And one quote that Simon Sinek also included in the book was from a Captain Marquette of the Navy USSS Olympia. And Captain Marquette says, the goal of a leader is to give no orders. Leaders are to provide direction and intent and allow others to figure out what to do and how to get there. Between both of our books and both of our authors' perspectives, we came up with seven strong points that make someone a good leader. In summary, these are being personable, using empathy, having trust, building relationships, being vulnerable, leading with your values and courage, and building a strong culture. So those are the seven points that we think make someone a good leader. We're going to dive deeper into what that means later on in the podcast. After much discussion, we've concluded that our two books reminded us about the theory of servant leadership. Servant leadership is an ideal of service in the relationship between leader and follower. It's a people-centered approach to leadership that includes an ethical component. We believe that a strong servant leader is one that has high emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is when you can handle your emotions and understand the emotions of others that allows you to work effectively with others. This can be displayed through four core skills of self-management, self-awareness, relationship management, and social awareness. There's some good support for this in our books. Brene Brown says it's only when diverse perspectives are included, respected, and valued that we can start to get a full picture of the world, who we serve, what they need, and how to successfully meet people where they are. And Simon Sinek says, what makes a good leader is that they eschew the spotlight in favor of spending time and energy to do what they need to do in support and protect their people. The only thing our leaders ever need to do is remember whom they serve, and it will be our honor and pleasure to serve them back. Based off these two quotes and the definitions of servant leadership and emotional intelligence, it is evident that a good leader is one that encompasses both traits. As we said before, emotional intelligence is four different pillars. Let's dive into what each pillar means in relation to the previously mentioned seven points that make a good leader, starting off with self-management. Right, so self-management is pretty much an internal thing, and it's how you manage your own emotions. So as a leader, we can build on our self-management by choosing to lead with our values and courage. Brene Brown defines a value as a way of being or believing that we hold most important. Living into our values means that we do more than profess our values. We practice them, we walk our talk, we are clear about what we believe and hold important, and we take care that our intentions, words, thoughts, and behaviors align with those beliefs. There's a few steps that we can do to lead into our values and our courage. According to Brene Brown, step one is that we can't live into 
our values if we can't name them. The way we can name our values is by writing them down, really honing in on the few ideas that we think are the way that we want to live. The second step to this is to taking our values from BS to behavior. Basically, this means instead of just saying that you value courage or you value empathy, to make sure that you're actually practicing those in your leading skills. Step three to leading into our values and courage is having empathy and self-compassion, which basically means that regardless of the values that you pick, leaders who live into their values are never silent about the hard things. We have to speak up and stand up for what we believe in, as well as being a little bit self-compassion if you get off track with your values. In terms of courage, it's a collection of four skill sets that can be taught, observed, and measured. For one, it's rumbling with vulnerability. Two, living into our values, which we just talked about. Three, braving trust. And four, learning to rise. So the next internal pillar is self-awareness. All right, what does self-awareness mean? Self-awareness is the ability to recognize emotions in yourself and admit that you're feeling that way. Brene Brown talks a lot about being vulnerable with our emotions. She says that if we shield ourselves from all feedback, we stop growing. If we engage with all feedback, regardless of the quality and intention, it hurts too much. We need to be aware and vulnerable with our feelings in terms of being a leader to be able to lead effectively. Ultimately, when it comes to self-awareness and self-management, we need to remember that self-awareness and self-love matter. Who we are is how we lead, according to Brene Brown. Let's transition to talking about the external pillars of emotional intelligence. External here means the elements of emotional intelligence that work for servant leaders to interact with the individuals they lead. The first external pillar of trust to be vulnerable, and you need to be vulnerable in order to build trust. One thing that Simon Sinek says is when you have people who trust you, they're going to do a better job for you to earn or keep that trust. And a really good example of this that um, Sinek mentioned in his book was the relationship that Bob Chapman, a CEO of this big company, had with his employees. He really took the time to listen to his employees and their concerns. And with this change in attitude and with this change in management, he was able to increase their revenue from $55 million to $95 million, which reflected organic and acquisition growth. And to quote, This company grew because of the people who had already worked there. They had renewed commitment to the organization, and it didn't come as a result of any promises or bonuses or threats. This means that this company grew because of the relationship and the trust that Bob Chapman, the CEO, had with each of his individual employees. He did not promise any bonuses or promotions, but he just grew and built that trust. Another way to build trust and relationship to work on relationship management is to get clear on whose opinions of you matter to yourself. So one thing that Brene Brown talks about a lot is the square squad, which is basically the people that you can fit on a piece of paper that's small enough to fold up in your wallet that are the people whose opinions really matter to you. And those are the people that you're going to look to when you need feedback and attention. Part, another aspect of relationship management is building a strong culture. As Simon Sinek says, if character describes how an individual thinks and acts, then the culture of an organization describes the character of a group of people and how they think and act as a collective. In a culture of strong character, the people inside the company will feel protected by their leaders and feel that their colleagues have their back. It is up to 
strong leaders to build a strong culture so that organizations and places of employment feel protected by their leaders and their colleagues. Lastly, another aspect of relationship management is the five rules of relationships as Sinek describes in his book. And the first rule is you have to bring people together. So especially in this day and age, despite the rise in social media, face-to-face interactions are always better. And rule number two of these five rules of relationship is to keep the numbers manageable. And Simon Sinek in his book refers to Dunbar's rule of 150 people, meaning that organizations must remain under 150 people so that you can get to know each individual as their self and could grow like in personal relationships. Number three is you have to meet the people you help. You have to physically go out and see the people and see the employees so that they are not just a name, but you match the name to the face. Rule number four, you have to give them time and not just money. Yes, work is about money and yes, businesses want to bring in money and revenue, but you have to give your employees and you have to give your followers time and the energy. And lastly, rule number five is to be patient. One rule that they really stick to is the rule of seven days and seven years. Most likely it will take more than seven days to build trust and build a relationship and build a strong culture, but most likely it will take less than seven years. So you just have to be patient. Our last pillar of emotional intelligence is social awareness, another external factor among the four pillars. Social awareness is how aware you are of the emotions of others in situations. A good way to practice social awareness is to have empathy within leadership. Empathy is not connecting to an experience, but it's connecting to the emotions that underpin an experience, which basically means that as a leader, we can't have comparative suffering. We need to realize that it's not our job to make things better. It's just our job to connect with those individuals and try to take the perspective of the people who are suffering. Another way to be socially aware is by being personable. As Sinek says, it's one thing for big numbers to represent money or products. But when big numbers start representing human beings, as Stalin told us, our ability to empathize starts to falter. So what he's saying is that we have to remember that those that we lead, our followers, are not just numbers, they're not just statistics, but they're actually people. That we have to keep in mind that those that we are leading in an organization or in a company are more than numbers, but they are actual human beings. Brene Brown reminds us that daring leaders must care for and be connected to the people that they lead. They can do this through a few ways of enacting high emotional intelligence in relationship management. One idea is to call a timeout in stressful situations, walk away from the situation, take a breather, and come back when everyone feels ready to reconvene. Another way is to have a key learning where each individual writes down a few things that happened during this stressful situation and then come together and share. And lastly, we need to remember to set boundaries, not for just ourselves, but for other individuals in high stressful situations. Good leadership is ultimately about serving other people, not ourselves. That's why we choose courage, according to Brene Brown. A good and strong leader is someone with high emotional intelligence and leads others through servanthood. So now that we've talked about what it means to be a good leader through the theory of servant leadership and aiming for high emotional intelligence, let's switch our focus into how we can apply this into our field. As young professionals in the sport industry, how can we apply this to our careers? Everyone can be athletic director, associate athletic director, CEO, to be considered a leader. We all have these small moments that define us as leaders. Agreed.
So I think with this, we need to really recognize that listening and building trust is a very strong component of being a good leader, especially if we want to practice servant leadership and display high emotional intelligence defined as a leader. You don't have to be in a position of power or be the director or the... I think it's important to show that we care and listen to the concerns of people on our team. If you're a support staff member, that would mean supporting the athletes or student athletes that you're around. What do you think, Alice? I agree. And I think the biggest thing is that we have to remember that in whichever role that you are in, whichever position that you are in, regardless of the status and position, you are part of a team and you are part of a bigger group and organization. And so building that trust and building that relationship is key. And like you said, listening to the concerns of everyone on your team, it doesn't matter if you are a volunteer intern and it doesn't matter if you are the athletic director at the university. You always have to be listening and being on the lookout for how those around you feel. For example, building trust really important in my role as an athletic trainer because we like to say that like the athletic training staff is the student athletes one stop shop for all things related to their health, whether it is regarding their mental health or if it's regarding you know their physical health. And so there needs to be that level of trust between the student athlete and us as the athletic trainers for them to be able to trust us to handle their health. And also a level of trust where I know that I feel comfortable treating and caring for the student athlete. So we also think that as sport managers, it's really important for us to lead with our values and our courage. A really good example of this that hits pretty close to home here at ISU is how the student athletes banded together to put on a Black Lives Matter march which basically is a really good example of how you don't have to be a person in a position of power to be a leader. Right. And just going back to leading with your values and courage, it obviously took a lot of courage for these student athletes to put on this march and to stand up for their beliefs and their values and to really just take a stand on what they held very close to their heart. And lastly, we think that one of the most important components of a strong leader is their ability to build a strong culture. And building a strong culture is definitely just a bunch of the details adding up and compounding to be the overarching culture of the team. This can be seen in the small ways that the team is disciplined and united as a community. For example, the ISU football team does Redbird Jacks, wherein the entire team does jumping jacks at the same time and spells out Redbirds. And it's just a component of the team that drives a culture of unity and pride for being a Redbird. Well, Ari, I think we covered all the bases on being a strong leader through servant leadership and high emotional intelligence. I really hope we can start applying what we discussed today through our positions as graduate assistants with ISC Athletics and even as we begin our professional careers. Exactly. I totally agree, Alice. I think it's important to remember that we are all leaders and can make small, impactful influences within our teams, regardless of our titles. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Leadership Lessons for Sport Managers and consider adding these practices as professionals. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Leadership Lessons for Sport Managers and consider adding these practices as professionals in the sport industry. Thank you for listening to Lessons on Leadership with us today.